0: We're going to get back into uh, the scripture this morning in the book of Acts. So if you'd open with me to the book of Acts chapter 27, Acts 27. And I want to read a few verses from 9 to 11 right there. And then uh, I want to pray over the word as we receive it today. So Acts 27, which we're closing in on the end. You better hang on. The end's going to come up on us quickly. Uh, this is at least, I think, our 28th week in the book of Acts. So uh, the Lord has been good there and look forward to what's coming next. But in chapter 27 and verse nine, it says, By now much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the day of atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word today, I thank you that you are able to bring unto each of us exactly what we have need of. Lord, that you would encourage us today. Give us wisdom today. Admonish us today. Build us up and strengthen us today and lead us and guide us into all truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So our last time when we were in the book of Acts, uh, if you weren't here, we did something we, I don't think I've ever done before, which is cover six chapters in one Sunday. I don't think I've ever done that. May not ever do it again. But so you may want to get the tape on that one. Uh, but we, we covered quite a bit there. And what we saw in just a real quick recap of six chapters, real quick recap, uh, Paul, missionary of Jesus Christ, who was going about uh, preaching the gospel into all of the areas of the world known to him at that time. Time uh, we, we saw that he had come back to Jerusalem with a gift and a tribute to the church there at Jerusalem. And that a conflict arose when he was there and even a riot in the temple because the Gentiles were having the gospel preached to them as well. And the riot was so large that they arrested Paul to try to calm things down and figure out what was going on. And they couldn't ever seem to bring charges that would stick to him because they had no proof that he had actually done anything wrong, but he was in the custody of the mayor and the mayor made him stand before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council at the time, and they couldn't make any charges stick. But the leader, the mayor said, I can't turn him back out loose into the community. It's going crazy out there. I've got to figure out what's going on. Well, in the time that he was in the custody of the mayor, or what we would call the mayor, there were 40 men who said, we're going to bind ourselves with an oath that we be accursed if we eat anything before we kill Paul. That's pretty serious when you've got 40 people taking a curse oath about killing you. And the mayor finds out about it and he ships Paul off to the governor. And then he goes to the governor and the governor's trying to figure out what's going on. And Paul continues to give a defense of what he's done in preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he's done nothing but be upright and nothing but the right thing. And over and over he defends himself and over and over they cannot uh, get a charge to stick against him. He even gets to speak to uh, one governor who's then succeeded by another governor during the time he's in custody. And then even one of the kings of the Jews uh, comes and he stands before him and makes a defense. And this whole time they're trying to get Paul shipped back to Jerusalem. We'll just let them handle their problems over there. Paul knows if I go back, I mean last time I was there there were 40 dudes that were like curse and about killing me. I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I want to go to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. I demand that I stand before Caesar. And he had that right as a Roman citizen. So they said, you will, as you've asked, stand before Caesar. And so what we see then is his trip beginning to go to uh, Rome, where Caesar is, where he can stand in front of him and so just a few verses before what we read to open with he's turned over to a centurion named julius to get him from where he is to rome so that he can stand in front of caesar and the way they're going to do that is they're going to sail there they're going to go on a ship and so they set sail and they, they're going along the seacoast of Asia. And the sailing was slow and it was difficult, mainly due to the time of the year and the weather that they were encountering as they were going. Uh, so it took many days. And then they finally ended up in a, in a bay called Fair Havens. Uh, now, it sounds great, but I really don't think it was uh, because it definitely wasn't a good harbor to be in during bad weather, which is what they could see coming on, right? And so as they're there in Fair Havens, Paul, as we read in verse 9, he gives advice. And he says, men, I can see this voyage is headed toward disaster. This voyage is headed towards heavy loss, not only of this cargo and the ship, but also our lives. He said, guys, I can see that this is going to be trouble. I can see that there are going to be big problems with this, because what are they doing? They're readying to continue the voyage on. He's supposed to go to Caesar. He knows that. But he can see, and one thing I'll mention, it says the day of atonement was over. Your translation may say the fast was over because that was the time that they would fast, was during the day of atonement. So he has been fasting. He is focused, and he says, men, I can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster. Have you ever seen something coming on the horizon, not the literal horizon, but the figurative horizon in a situation where you could say, guys, I really see difficulty coming based on what's happening and where the direction that we're headed. Have you ever seen anything like that? I know when I was young, when I was a child, My dad, when he saw me doing something precarious, when he saw me doing something I shouldn't be doing, I might hurt myself doing, he would say, Stephen, you're building a trap. And I didn't know what he meant. I I knew what he meant when he said it, but I didn't get the point of it until later. He was saying, if you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to get trapped and hurt yourself, right? You are building your own trap. And we can kind of see these things sometimes out there on the horizon, that there's trouble coming, that this is a bad direction to go in. If you continue on the direction that you're going, if you continue to do what you're doing, then, then you're headed for disaster. And maybe that's who you're with. Maybe that's who you're spending time with. Maybe that's what you're spending your time doing or, or thinking on that it, you can just see it. Have you ever just been able to see it? Well, Paul could see it. And he speaks out, I'm sure, in a mixture of just natural wisdom, but also revelation and the leading of the Spirit. He says, "Men, I can tell that we are headed for disaster on this voyage, And now what happened in in verse 11, we saw that the centurion, Julius, the one who's in charge, paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Paul said, we're headed towards disaster. I can see it. I can see it's going to be a disaster. And it says the centurion who was in charge listened to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than what Paul says. I want to make a point right here that you decide who you listen to. You get to decide who you are going to listen to. And because of that, you need to decide very carefully who you're going to listen to. You get to decide. He got to decide. I can listen to Paul. I can listen to the captain and the owner of the ship. He got to decide. We get to decide who we listen to. And look, if you decide you don't want to listen to somebody, if my kids decide they don't want to listen to me, they can find a reason not to. They can find a reason or an excuse not to listen to me. Oh, Dad, he's just being this. Oh, Dad, he always says that. You know, maybe even going back to the old song, Parents Just Don't Understand. That's an old one. Old one for me, at least. Parents just don't understand, right? It's always been that way. If you don't want to listen to somebody, you can find an excuse not to. You can find a reason to invalidate them and say, eh, they don't they don't know, they, they can't relate, they've not been where I've been, they've not seen what I've seen, they just don't know how things are nowadays. You get to decide who it is you're going to listen to. So we have to decide carefully. Look, there's so many sources. And it doesn't mean we just listen to one person, right? We have so much information coming at us, so much advice coming at us, so much talk coming at us. There's a lot of it out there, a lot of different sources. The question is, which one holds the most sway over your life? Which one holds the most sway over your heart, your mind, what you listen to? You may hear a lot of things, but who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because it's going to affect your direction. Here, Paul said, we shouldn't go. Or he at least said, I love it. He he told them what was going to happen, but he didn't really give them any advice on what else to do. He didn't say it's going to be bad if we go, we should stay here. He just said, I can see it, it's going to be bad. I can see it, it's going to be bad. We have all these sources who holds sway over what we do, over what we decide over what we hold is the highest thing that we listen to because we get to decide. We get to decide who and what we listen to. Old Testament prophet, he once stood in front of the people and he said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Basically, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? It was Elijah. He said, if Baal is God, follow him. But if the Lord is God, then follow him. Stop waffling back and forth. He was like, who are you listening to? You get to decide. You get to decide and because we get to decide we need to decide carefully because what we listen to is going to be how we decide what we think it's going to develop our attitude our attitude remembers how we think and how we feel about everything what's my attitude towards this it depends on what I've been listening to it depends on who I have been listening to and then how do we weigh competing voices if things are if two voices are saying two different things How do I make up my mind who I'm listening to? How do I make up my mind when I say, I'm not going to, I'm going to listen to this. How do I do that? You decide who you listen to. So this one just, and it's so simple, but it just stuck with me, and the Lord made me just sit in it for a little bit. So I'm going to make a sit in it for just a little bit, because that's what he did to me. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? who is it that you're listening to where is your information coming from your direction that you're using to make your decisions where is it coming from because there's diverse opinions out there there's diverse positions out there who are you listening to who are you going to listen to because whoever you're listening to you're trusting with your direction Which voice holds the most sway? And what's their direction looking like? What is their direction? Look out when you talk about Paul saying, I can see. Look out as far as you can, the direction of the one you're listening to, the ones you're listening to, whatever it is you're listening to. What's that direction? What's that history? But what is that direction? Where is it headed? Because here, the other advice was we need to press on. We need to go on. And and the truth was, they knew that they couldn't stay in this Fair Haven's Bay for a long time. It wasn't a good place to winter. We, We would read that right here. They're like, we can't winter here, so we should go. And Paul's like, I understand what you're saying about here, that it's not the best place to be. But I'm telling you, I can see it. I can see it. Disaster for both the ship, the cargo, and all of the people. Disaster for all of them. So again, who are we listening to? Back to Paul. He, he wasn't listened to. His advice was ignored. Look, verse 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest and to winter there. Again, that harbor, what is, what, they're looking at going, we don't need to be here. This isn't where we want to be when the winter comes. We want to be there, so we got to get there. But look at this. It said the majority decided. The majority decided what they should do. I'm going to make it, we're going to make a quick note here. Just because there's a majority or a majority around you saying it's the right decision does not make it the right decision. Majority is just the, uh, enough people, more than, the, more than half of the people said, we should do this. Majority decision does not equal righteousness. Yeah. It doesn't. Necessa- it, it, it may be righteousness. The majority may make a righteous decision. But the fact that it's a majority decision does not mean righteousness. That it's righteous or that it is as it ought to be. That's a good definition of righteousness. Is it, when you talk about a person, are they righteous? Are they as they ought to be? Just because it's a majority decision doesn't mean that it is righteous. And again, they were thinking, we don't need to stay here the whole winter. Let's go. They needed to do something but what they did was going to bring about destruction because they were listening to the wrong opinion. They were listening to the wrong opinion. By the way, I, I, I like that there. I, I noticed when I was reading through, it, it said the majority decided. And again, they decided what the wrong thing to head towards destruction. Don't tell me Well, everybody's doing it. OK. What's the old if everybody jumped? What's that going to say? If everybody jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? Is that a good decision? Because the majority is doing it. Okay, that's enough of that. So summarizing here, verse 13 through 17, they started off. And when they started off, things were going okay. Things were going okay when they started out. But then there was a fierce wind called a northeaster that rushed down on the ship. And they were driven by that wind. And when I say they were driven by the wind, they were driven in a a direction that they weren't wanting to go. They wanted to go this way. The wind's driving them this way. And it said they were barely able to get the skiff secured. It's this this little side boat that they would bring along behind them you know, for when they needed to get out and take a little party to the shore. They had to get it up out of the water before it was just totally lost. They barely got it up, secured it to the ship. They dropped the drift anchor or the sea anchor uh, which was meant to kind of like a backwards parachute, kind of puff out there and kind of keep them from being driven too far off to keep the wind from jerking them too far in one direction and this is where they find themselves in verse 18 it says because we were being severely battered by the storm. Notice how Luke is writing this. He's right in there with it, with them. They're even working through this, trying to, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. But anyway, we were being severely battered by the storm. They began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. So again, things start going well and then things go not well really quickly. And they're being battered by this storm. And you see their ship taking on water. So they're trying to lighten the weight of the ship so that it's more buoyant, that it's not sitting the cargo. All the stuff that's important, all the stuff that's valuable, they start throwing it overboard. And it said the next day, they even started throwing all the ship's tackle overboard. And we're not talking about spinnerbaits and fishing hooks. We're talking about what actually was used to get the ship from one place to another. Like if it's heavy, it's got to go. If it's not completely necessary, it has got to go. And it says here that they were... they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And I love that that it, he writes that in there uh, because how else are they going to throw it overboard other than with their own hands? But I really think it's so that we can see that the the, the consequences of their decisions are right there at hand. They're seeing all of this loss, all of this they're like this, we just gotta we gotta get rid of all of this. And when you ignore wisdom, you can all you often see the cost or the price of that right in front of you, right at your own hands. And it says in verse 20, they, they could see neither the sun nor the stars, neither one appeared. So when you, when you hear that, think they had no direction at all. They didn't know which way they were going. They couldn't navigate even if they could direct themselves. They didn't know which way they were going. The storm is raging and all hope is fading. That's what he said. Finally, all hope was fading that we would even be saved. And in the midst of this, no hope. They're not eating. They're not eating any food. They may have thrown most of the food overboard. They do have some food on the ship still. In the middle of this, Paul stands up to say something. Paul stands up. Remember, he wasn't listened to. He stands up to say something. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? Listen, it's hard to be right and not hurt people with it. It's hard to have been the one who was right and not hurt people with it. Right? I mean, because what's he going to want to say? What would we want to say? Like, "Uh uh-huh, see? Now, really? I told you. I told you this was going to happen. Here we are. We can't see the sun. We can't see the stars. I I didn't even want to be here in this. I told y'all we shouldn't have been doing this. And here we are in the middle of it. And it's y'all's fault. Right? That's what we want to say. And what does that accomplish? Nothing. 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 What makes me feel better for a minute, maybe. Right? Now he does. He does tell them. Let's look at it. Verse 21. Verse 21. They had been without food for a long time. Paul then stood up among them and said, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. So he gives them a little bit of that, right? But he says, now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me. And said, don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some island. So he does tell them, you should have listened should have listened. Now, really, this is how we want somebody to come at us when we've made a wrong decision and we've messed up, right? Be, be truthful with me, Stephen, you should have listened. Stephen, you messed up. You made the wrong decision, and now you're seeing this damage and loss right at hand. But he told them, now, though, take courage, because you won't lose your lives, only the ship. You won't lose your lives, only The ship. And it's reminding us that our decisions have consequences, right? He told him, if we set out this way, I can see damage and destruction. We're headed for it. Our, con- our decisions have consequences. But he says, take courage. Why would they take courage? Because of what the angel of the Lord reinforced to Paul there in verse 23. The angel of the Lord. angel of the Lord God that I belong to and serve stood by me and said, don't be afraid. It's necessary for you to appear before Caesar. Don't be afraid. It's necessary for you to appear before Caesar. Now, that's a fun thing to hear, right? You're in the middle of this storm. And listen, a multi-day storm, not just, man, it got bad yesterday afternoon, didn't it? It was bad for a little bit. No, multi-day storm. They're going to be in this thing for at least 14 days before it's all said and done with. And he tells them, hey, Paul, this storm, we're, we're right on schedule. You're in the middle of this. You're right where you're supposed to be. You are right where you're supposed to be. You are on target. Why? Because we're in, when, we're, when we are in a storm, when we're in a difficult situation that we're dealing with in life, what's our first thought? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this storm. I want to be out of this storm now. I want to be out, right? We pray for escape. And that's not wrong. But we pray for escape. And here he was saying like, It's not going to be escape, but you will endure it. I'm not going to give you escape, but I'm going to give you safe passage through this storm. Because this is on the path of where you are supposed to be. Now listen to this. Again, he didn't make the decision to go. It was made in spite of the advice he had given the other way. And so we will have times in our lives where the decisions of others put us in the storm. The actions of others will put us in the storm. Even if we could see it coming and we tried to tell them their actions, their decisions will put us in the storm. That maybe they're ignorant. Maybe they're being foolish. Maybe they're even being hostile. It'll put us in the middle of the storm because of what they said. They decided what they did. It'll put us in the storm. But that does not negate, negate the purpose, and the plan of God. Amen. It doesn't, God doesn't go, well, well, their boss made a decision to go to that job instead of this one. Ooh, I don't know what we're going to do now, right? He says, even though you are in this storm, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And God is going to take care of you even in the midst of this storm. Was any of that cargo paused? I don't think so. He didn't carry a lot of bunch. He didn't carry stuff with him. He's a prisoner, right? He's like, y'all going to have to lose all y'all's cargo. I hate it for y'all. You all had to lose your cargo. didn't have to be this way. But he's not the one suffering loss. He's saying, hey, don't worry. The angel of the Lord appeared to me and said that even though y'all were foolish in what you did, it's not going to negate his plan, his purpose for my life, and, and now even for the lives of everyone who is here with us. Problems and difficulty don't negate your purpose. In fact, the problem may be your purpose. Right? I was talking to when we uh, had lunch with the folks at Public Works. Their director came through and he was fixing his plate. How's your day going today? He's like, man, it's bad. We got, you know, I've got this going on and this happened and this came up and this happened. And I said, man. That's a lot. I was like, that's a lot for a Friday. He's like, yeah, it really is. I said, you know, if every day nothing went wrong, I bet they would probably just fire you. <laughs> and he kind of said, because I, real, I realized that before in life when you're, when you're working a job, the reason you're there is because you provide value. And the value you provide is you solve problems. There's a problem that you solve and that's why you're there. Guess what? If there's no problems to be solved, I have no reason to employ you. And we think we're going to eventually go to work and there's not going to be any problems. That's going to be the day you get asked to retire. That's going to be the day you get sent up. Why? Because you no longer provide a value to the company. Problems are your purpose. If you try to just completely avoid them, what purpose do you have? Just recreation? You're like, that, that, that makes it right. But when we think about it, that's what we think we want. But then when we think about it all the way to the end, i tired of all these problems. That's why you're here. That's why these kids won't act right. They They don't know when to go to sleep. They don't know how to eat. That's why you're here. That's why they have a mother or a father. That's why they have parents. Their problems are your purpose to lead them up through that. Okay, that's a whole other deal. Problems and difficulty don't negate your purpose. In fact, they may be your purpose. So when you're starting to fuss about this is a tough place to work. This is a tough place to be. Maybe it is. Maybe you're not supposed to be there, but maybe you are. Right, these kids are tough to raise. That's why he gave you to them. This relation, this person's hard to be friends with. Again, there may be a purpose why you are there in the middle of that. You're like, how am I supposed to know the difference? How am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to cut bait and leave and when I'm supposed to stay? You got to ask him. That's why you spend time with him. That's why it matters who you're listening to. So that when these situations come up, you go, okay, boss, what are we going to do? Because they're saying, do that. What do you say? And we've seen over and over in the book of Acts, they would make different decisions at different times. Sometimes they would go into a town and they'd only be there a day or a couple of days and they would go, we need to leave this town. And then other times they would go to a town and the people in the town or folks would come into town just to be ugly to them, say terrible things about them embitter people against them, cause them to riot against them. And they go, you know what? We're going to stay here for a while. We're going to set up shop here for a long time. Because we're just really supposed to be here right in the middle of this mess for a long time. And again, how did they know the difference? They just asked him. That's why it matters who you listen to. You seek him and let him show you. So Paul stands up into this gap of hopelessness and despair. He stands up into the breach, the the tear of this scenario. And he does say, y'all should have listened to me. I told y'all this was going to happen. Nevertheless, God's going to be gracious to us. The God that I belong to and I serve is gracious. And even though you're going to lose this ship, none of you are going to die. That's a powerful statement in the middle of the storm, isn't it? Even though he said, you're going to lose the ship, everything on it, ship's gone. I already told you, ship's probably gone. The ship's definitely gone. But... You will not lose your life. He told him to take courage. I believe it will be just as God has said it would be. I believe that it, and that's faith. If God said it's going to be this way, I believe it. Amen. And from that flows courage and hope. Because remember, they didn't have any hope. Why? Because they're like, I don't know what we're going to do. we got no hope. We've thrown over everything valuable. We're just trying to stay afloat. Just every second, we're trying to stay afloat. And Paul says, no, he said that I'm going to appear as his witness in front of Caesar, that I'm going to Rome. I'm not going to die. And he's told me that none of y'all are going to die either because you are here with me. Take courage. He's alive. He's active. He's speaking. And if you'll listen, you'll live. That's what he's telling them a voice of reason and wisdom in the storm. Take courage. He said, I believe it's going to be just as God said. Now, with that being said, again, there's still 14 nights. Verse 27, the 14th night came that they're in this storm, in these storms. And they are literally just adrift. That means they are not in control of where they are going. And they start to think, maybe we're approaching land. So they start to take soundings of the depth of the water and they can see, hey, it was this Then we checked it a little bit later, it's more shallow, it's more shallow. So they can tell we're moving towards land. But they were afraid that they would run up on the rocks. When run up on the rocks there's no bank there they can get on so they would what? They would drown. So they're worried about that. And look what, look what happened. So again, Positive things are happening. Improvement is happening. We're getting closer to the land. Watch what what these little stinkers do. Verse 29. Then, fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Now that's a good idea. Verse 30. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff, that's a little boat, right? Into the sea Pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Okay, really? We're going to go up here and put out the anchors from the bow. And they're letting the skiff down so they can escape. Now, what was really happening? They saw the situation getting a little bit better. and They're like, all right, we're good. We can handle it again now. We don't need any more help. That's what we do, isn't it? We get in a storm of life and the sun's not been out. We can't see the stars and it's hopeless. And we go, God, help me. I'm going to die. Help me. I'll do anything, Lord. Help me. And then when we see a star pop up or a little bit of sun come out, we can see it's getting a little bit better. We're like, all right, I'm good now. I got it again. I'm going to go over here and check the anchors, Lord. I'm going to see. What's wrong with us? Why do we do that? Why did they do that? Because we want to be in control, right? That's it. We just want to be in control. And that's what they're doing. They're ready to go out like, we got it. Nah, we got it. We're just going to sneak off. And and how sorry is that? We're going to leave the rest of y'all here. We're going to sneak off. Well, watch what Paul, because we, Paul's going to say something else. They're pretending they're going to put the anchors out from the bow and they're really going to let down the skiff into the sea to escape the ship. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, because these are the sailors that are trying to leave. He said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. He said, unless everybody stays, he said, I'm not going to let y'all steal from what the Lord said he was going to do. I'm not going to let you just take off on your own. I, I love this scene. Has anybody ever seen, uh, oh man, I'm going to blank on the name of the movie. It's the one with Tom Hanks where he is the captain of the ship that's taken over by pirates. Captain Phillips, that's what it is. Gr- incredible story, you know. But one, the pirates come on the ship and they get into uh, the, the control room and one of them says, look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now. I really feel like this is what Paul is doing. He's taking control of the situation. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. I'm the captain now. If these men leave, none of us will be, none none of y'all will be saved. And so watch what the soldier, he tells that to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved, which I think it's pretty cool. He called them out on what they were doing. He could see what they were doing, even though they were trying to be sneaky. That's a whole other thing. Then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff and let it drop away. They're like, ain't nobody leaving this ship. We're listening to Paul now. Don't you love that? We're listening to Paul now. He says, we're not going to steal from what the Lord has said he was going to do. I'm the captain now. And again, verse 32, they listened. They changed who they were listening to. Why? Because he had proven himself trustworthy. He had proven himself to be right, hadn't he? So so watch here. First thing, who are you listening to? Number two, what are you saying to people when you end up in situations with hopeless folks? Because that's how we're going to find out who you've been listening to because you're going to repeat whatever they said. You notice that's what Paul did? Well, he said, I'm going to tell you all what the Lord has said about this situation. Who are you going to listen to? But we're going to know who you're listening to when pressure's put on because you're going to repeat whatever they said. You're going to sound like them. And then he is going to call people to step into those gaps, step into those breaches, step into those hard places and say, take courage because God is alive. He's active. He's speaking. And if you'll listen, you'll live, right? And we see the sailors and what they tried to do. The soldier's like, nope, we're listening to Paul now. And so here he, he, he takes account for those that have been given to him. Because what did the angels say? He's like, the Lord has given you all of these folks that are with you. They belong to you now. He has given them to you. And Paul's like, if I'm accountable, y'all are going to do things the right way. Y'all are going to do things the right way. And look how this ends up. We get ready to wrap up. Read these last verses here. Verse 33, when it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, this is the 14th day that you've been waiting and going without food, having eaten eaten nothing. So I urge you, take some food, for this is for your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And after he broke it, he began to eat. They all were encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. After cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that held the udders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach, but they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. What did Paul say? We're going to run aground on an island, just letting you all know. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable, while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape. So remember what's Paul in this situation? Prisoner. But the centurion, O Julius, kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. And so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow, some on planks and some on debris from the ship. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. So, a couple of things, just in recap: you decide who it is that you're going to listen to. You get to decide and make that decision carefully. Make that decision wisely and carefully. Wisdom and the leading of the Holy Spirit, because He'll lead us into all truth. I wanted to read real quick. I think we got just we got enough time for me to read it in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Proverbs chapter 4 the whole thing but I won't impose that on you this morning. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. My son pay attention to my words listen listen closely to my sayings don't lose sight of them keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Remember, it was a king writing to his son. Over and over, he would say, listen to me, choose wisdom. Listen to me, get wisdom. Listen to me, choose wisdom. Wisdom's crying out in the streets, choose wisdom. Because there are many who won't. So who is it that we're going to listen to? We hear lots of things. Who are we going to listen to? When we hear competing opinions, what's going to hold the most sway in our heart and in our mind? Because that will determine our decisions and it will determine our direction. Who are we listening to? That is something you want to check into in your own heart, in your own life. Who is it that I'm listening to? Don't nobody tell me what to do. That's not true. Something is directing your paths. Even if you say you're doing it, on what basis? And with what understanding are you doing it? You got it from somewhere. Where's it coming from? And what's the end direction of it? Who are you listening to? And will you be one to step into the breach when there's darkness and hopelessness in many people who are struggling? Are you going to bring courage and hope? Are you able to bring courage and hope based on who it is you've been listening to? Maybe you're like the sailors The centurion, the captain of the ship, maybe you've made poor decisions that have caused you to suffer loss. Nevertheless, God is gracious. Nevertheless, God is gracious. And remember, just because you're in a storm doesn't mean you're not exactly where you're supposed to be. It doesn't necessarily mean you're in the wrong place. You can pray for escape first, but if escape doesn't come, pray for endurance. Because you may be exactly where you're supposed to be. That problem may be the purpose that you are there. It may be that it's just a tumultuous time in the journey, but that you're still on course. Because listen, just like Paul told them, he's still working. He's still active. He's still speaking. And he is gracious. The angel of the Lord told Paul, you're on schedule. You'll get there. This isn't going to stop the plan and the purpose of God just because somebody else made a bad decision. And again, when we're in the storm, we don't want to be there. We don't want to be there. Maybe I got there because it's somebody else's fault. Their their bad decision, their foolishness, their sin. Maybe that's the reason I'm in the storm. Maybe it's my own fault. Maybe it's my foolishness, my decision, what I did, my actions that brought about this storm. How am I supposed to know? Ask him. We ask him, God, if I brought about it, if I I brought this about in my foolishness because I wasn't listening to you and I was listening to someone else, something else showed me that I want to repent of that. Lord, if this is on somebody else, don't let me be held for their poor decision. Paul said, y'all are going to lose a lot. You're going to lose a lot in this. I'm going to be here with you. Y'all are the ones that are going to be at a loss. But even then, whether it's their fault, whether it's my fault, doesn't mean I'm still not potentially right in the middle of my purpose, right? Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean you're not on your purpose. So again, we want to locate ourselves here. Where are you? Where are you? are you? Are people listening to you or not? They control that, remember? but are you saying the right things? Are you saying the right things? If this is a storm of your own making or others making, it doesn't really matter if the storm's really bad. What's the answer? Look into him. Look into him. And that, that's, the, that's the question we end with is what are we going to do? What are we going to do? When we're right and they're wrong, how are we going to handle it? We're going to handle it like Paul and say, so y'all made a bad decision, but hey, God's gracious and so am I. God's gracious and so am I. This is how ministry happens. We we go into the hopelessness. We go into the darkness and we say, these were some bad decisions that brought this about. This was sinfulness and foolishness that brought this about. Listen, you may suffer some loss, but God is gracious. God is gracious. You're still here. Everything you've ever dealt with, you've survived up to this point. You've made it through to this point. God is gracious. Let's change who we're listening to. Amen? And it says they made it to shore safely, right? Safely to shore. I love that one saying. I heard it at a, uh, a banquet. A man said he wanted to thank all those who helped him as in, he was in his growing and maturing. He said, you, you, you brought me to adulthood and to this place in my life safely, but not without incident. We can make it safely, but it's not going to be without incident in life. It's just not going to be. We can want it to be. We'd love for it to be. We think we would love for it to be. But it won't be. It won't be without incident. But if you walk with him, as it said in Proverbs 4, that your steps will be established. There's another little section in there that said when you run, you're not going to stumble. And when you walk, when you walk you're not going to slip up because you're committing your steps to him. Safely, but not without incident and that's what I would say is an encouragement to the fathers today or even just those folks who who, we all have one you know good or bad indifferent we all have one who are we listening to who are we listening to fathers who are you listening to as you lead a family as you lead a household who are you listening to what voice holds the most sway in your heart and then what are you saying are you repeating what you're hearing that's going to be your indication of who you're listening to because you're going to sound like them. Right? Your dad may have had some wisdom and a lot of things that were trash. Get rid of the trash. Keep the wisdom and pray that the Lord will help you tell the difference because sometimes we'll show out like dad used to show out and it's not good or right but that's what we heard. That's what we were listening to. It's time to hear a better word. It's time to hear a better word. Who are we listening to? What are we saying? And when it's a storm, are we one that can be relied on or are we trying to sneak out the back? Are we trying to take the easy way out when things get tough? Are we trying to slip off? Are we saying, no, we all stay. We're all here. We're in this together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you brought us to this point safely. Though not without incident, but you've been faithful and you've been gracious. God, forgive us of decisions we've made based on wrong information. We didn't know that the ones we were listening to were leading us astray. We want to draw near and close to you. Lord, when the storms of life come, I thank you that they are not bigger than you. You are faithful. Even when we find ourselves in the storm, I thank you that we can endure and you'll have us endure even without loss if we followed you into it wisely. Even when we get put upon by someone else's poor decisions, it doesn't negate the plan and the purpose that you have for our life. And you're able to bring about good even through a lot of foolishness, whether it be our own or others. And God, I thank you for the great grace that you have shown us in that. Lord, as we evaluate who we're listening to, I thank you that we'll see, we'll see clearly. We won't paint ourselves in the best light, but we'll look at it honestly. Who have I been listening to? Where am I getting my expectations? Where's my attitude coming from? Is it coming from you? Or is it coming from the world? And Father, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our hearts, our minds, that we would would turn our ear to wisdom. We would turn our ear to your leading. We incline our head even to your sayings, as scripture says, that we would lean in to what you would say, knowing that you alone have the words of life. I thank you that whether through calm seas or tumultuous storms, you are always with us. You never leave us and you never forsake us. You are our good father. And we ask that you continue to grow us into the image of our savior, that we begin to look more like you as we spend more time with you that we sound more like you as we spend time with you. We love you. We thank you. Lord, as we leave today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity with each other. Lord, for those that are out traveling out from among us, God, that you give them grace as they go and grace as they return. I thank you, Lord, that you bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them and give them peace. Lord, if if others are out from among us because of weakness today in their body, I thank you, Lord, that you strengthen them and give them courage. I thank you that you minister to them as only you can. And Lord, as we spend time with family today, Lord, that you bolster our hearts and our spirits by that, that we receive all of the good. And I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in your body. In Jesus name. Amen.